Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is December 11, 2019. Man, it feels good to have the victory week. Love rubbing it in people's faces. What is it? Three weeks in a row? Three weeks in a row. I'm a happy what? camper. Happy, happy camper. Kind of told that after the game. You were like miserable I know, the whole I know. time. But watching the uh, All-22, I could see why this was a really good game. <laughs> <laughs> it was just fun. Yeah, yeah. It was fun watching All-22. Uh Normally, they're, it's, it's rather sterile, but there was a lot of interesting things on tape. We'll get to that in just a moment. We got any fact checks or follow-ups? Nope. Okay. Then I guess we'll get to it right now. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, normally we ask ourselves, did we win the game? Did we lose the game? Did they beat us? Or was it the refs? Now, I think after the game, we had said the refs did really bad, right? Yes. We had said that we won the game. Yeah. I don't know. After watching the the tape, uh, the refs didn't seem to do as bad of a job as I thought they did. They did on that one play, though, when the, the Colts were up on the goal line. That was just the fumble. Well, yeah. Well, you know, Brissett called the timeout oh, after right. the timeout. <laughs> they didn't let him do that. That was annoying. It's just annoying because they called BA for it earlier in the year, and it was like a big to do. And then their excuse for it was ridiculous. It's up to their discretion. Yeah. It's like, no. The quarterback calls a timeout. That's a penalty if they've already had a timeout. Right. And it's not play. like he was ready to go and call. I mean, he was he walking, was walking off. off the field. Yeah. Had to run back. He did get the ball snapped before time expired. It was right at the when the clock hit zero. <laughs> but then the Dominic Sioux jumped off sides. And then Brissette. I'm surprised they didn't call us for that. I know. And then Brissette fumbles the ball. They don't call that. And they didn't even show it on replay, so you can't tell if his knee was down or whatever. It was just that was one messed up play right there. Uh, there was a couple of things. The uh, there was a few holdings that I was like, eh, they should have called that. The roughing the passer call against Vita Vea that was complete BS. And there was one missed call, a blindside block on Jameis Winston after he threw an interception that they didn't call. Other than that, I didn't see a whole lot where I could say the refs really screwed either team over on this one. But here's what I do want to say. I don't know if we won this or if they lost it. And I don't want to take anything away from Jameis Winston because he did have a good game. And I think I'm going to be saying that a lot in this podcast, that I don't want to be taking anything away from Jameis Winston. But and it's not that the Colts played badly. It's just we totally dominated them. Totally dominated them in all aspects of the game. Their secondary, the coaching scheme, was total garbage. We had guys open every play, (laughs) and usually more than one. And you can't do that against a receiving core like we have. No. Even though we lost Mike Evans, it's like they already had their game plan in place before they got here. It was a crappy game plan. That's all I got to say. They do that cover two mess, and we just picked them apart. I have to give Byron Leftwich a lot of credit for his game planning because, I mean, he just schemed almost every play. I mean, they knew going into this what Indianapolis was going to run on defense and they planned accordingly. And it was, it was amazing. I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a game where there were so many open wide receivers. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say they played bad, but they were no match for us at all. And their offensive line is the best unit on their team. Our defense had no problem with them. Uh, you know, we didn't dominate them like we have been dominating most offensive lines, but you know, we, 
<laughs> we were getting there. Yeah, Brissette was under pressure a lot. We only got one sack, but... We got a lot of hits on him. Yeah. The Brissette, Brissette, however you pronounce his name, Brisket, he's not that good. Oh, no. No, I just, I just don't think he's that impressive at all. Is he more of a game manager, though? Yeah. He looked yeah. like he was serviceable. I mean, he's no Peyton right. Manning. Yeah, he's not horrible. He'll do the job. But he's he left a lot of stuff on the field and just he just doesn't have good pocket presence. To his credit, though, they put up 35 points. Well, a lot of it was due to James Winston throwing interceptions. That's true. Let's talk about that for a minute. Fair enough. Almost every turnover was James Winston's fault. <laughs> Even Dari Ogunbowale's fumble, I could pin on James if I tried hard enough. Uh, he, like I said, there, there were wide open receivers all over the field. I counted six that Jameis missed. Six wide open receivers. That's about par for the course. No, that's, that's towards the high end. I mean, normally, so? yeah, normally it's yeah. about three or four. Okay. Uh, six, that's a lot. And quite a few of these were touchdowns that he missed seeing open receivers wide open heading towards the end zone. The, the play, the pick six play was probably one of the most aggravating, frustrating plays I've ever seen of Jameis Winston. And I just had to keep rewinding and rewinding and looking at it going, I just can't believe this. I can't believe this. I really, from a professional quarterback, this is inexcusable. He had God or Perriman. He had Perriman open immediately after the ball was hiked. But he held on to the ball for reasons unbeknownst to me. He didn't have any pressure. Didn't have any pressure. Then they did. They blitzed the house. Or they blitzed two extra guys, two linebackers. The one oh, linebacker. wait. Was there one coming up the middle? Was that the play where one guy was coming up the middle at him? Anyway, he had time to throw. Oh, he had plenty of time. I mean, and, and like I said, Perriman was open immediately because he ran a slant route. And the cornerback covering was off of him for 10 yards. So, I mean, Perriman was open immediately. But worse than that was Cameron Brait was wide open 15 yards down the field with nobody near him for a good 10 yards. He was open immediately. Cameron Brait was because the linebacker that was supposed to cover him blitzed. So Cameron Brait was open right off the line of scrimmage. And Jameis Winston held onto the ball, held onto the ball, and then threw it. He gave the linebacker time to step back into the path of the ball and jump up and catch it. And I'm just screaming. I'm like, why would he do that? I don't understand. I do not understand. It's mind-numbing. My only thought is that, A, he knew he was throwing a pyramid immediately. Yeah, he never even looked over to the bright side of the field. Right. And maybe it was a timing route, and he was waiting for it to develop. Could have been. I mean, I'm sure he's got his reasons, but he left at least a 15-yard reception on the field. I mean, the only way that wouldn't have been a 15-yard reception is if Bray dropped it or Winston threw a bad pass because there was nobody to defend it at all. And instead, he threw it to Perriman, who if he would have thrown it to Perriman just a second before, you know, Perriman was wide open. So the, it's it was very, very annoying. All the interceptions were basically Jameis's fault. And in almost all of them, there was another option that he could have thrown to that was better. Now, the Dari Ogabawale fumble, I can pin that one on, on Jameis, too, because when he threw it to Dari, he had, I think it was Justin Watson, wide open, blazing down the field for a touchdown. And instead, he James Winston runs forward out of the pocket a little bit and then checks down to Dari. He's of done course, this his whole career. Yeah, this is something I've been not get, I mean, you've been complaining about it for years. I think at this point, we can say it's not going to get better. No, he's going to throw in the tight pockets, even when he's got 
a wide open guy down the field. He, he doesn't, just doesn't have good vision. He just does not see the field. Of course, it wasn't James Winston's fault that Dari fumbled the ball. Right. <laughs> I mean, he needs to hang on to it. That's yeah. But like he, the minimum requirement for a carry. Yes. But James Winston had an open receiver down the field that he could have easily thrown it to. Like I said, it, it happened quite a bit during this game. Uh, so, you know, if I had to give a game ball to anybody, I'd probably give it to uh, Byron Leftwich for nice. coming up with such a good game plan. Okay. That opened up, oh God, I mean, there was just receivers open everywhere. And again, it's hard to tell if it's, you know, the, the secondary of the Colts or the scheme. I'd have, I'd have to go more with the scheme because, I mean, they were tackling well, and when they needed to be in their spots, they were in their spots. But man, we And were just, they got three interceptions. Yeah. But we were just, we were all over that field, just wide open everywhere. And it showed on the stat board, too. I mean, James threw for 456 yards. If he would have hit some of these open guys... He would have come close to 600 yards. That's crazy. I know. Has that ever happened in a game? Oh, I'm sure. Probably Drew Brees. <laughs> the uh, 50-yard field goal that they got, that was tipped by Wim Golston. Ah. If you if you watch the uh, videos, which the video is up on YouTube now, so you can see all this stuff I'm talking about. Uh, I've been saying this all year and last year, too. You know, Golston is our field goal blocker. I mean, he's, he's probably got the franchise record for blocking field goals. And, man, he gets close so many times. But that one, he got his paw right on it. But, unfortunately, it caused it to go up. He hit it directly in the center of the ball. And so instead of making it veer to left or right, it went up. And I think that's what gave that guy a 50-yard <laughs> field goal. <laughs> if Golston wouldn't have hit it, it might not have made it. But we had another play. I don't know who it is because you cannot read these numbers at all on the – all 22 with these color rush uniforms. Uh, I'm not sure who it was, but he got, it was on an extra point. He got through the line, wide open to the kicker, dove for it, and went right through his hands. Uh. Yeah, we would have blocked that kick. Uh, O.J. Howard blocked pretty good in this game, except for one time when he went up against Justin Houston, which, you know, that's a mismatch right there. And America. Has <laughs> Booger with. Stop putting tight ends up against elite. Defensive ends. I know. As soon as I saw the lineup, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be nasty. And sure enough, Houston just threw him right out of the way. Uh, James did have some scrambling issues. Not that bad. A couple of times, though, he did excellent, where even when he scrambled, you know, he kept his feet set. Oh, yeah. He was slippery this game. Yeah, there was that one play where he got, I thought it was for sure he was sacked. <laughs> they did, too. I well, that's think. the one. Mark, the, the guy, uh, God, who was it? 96? Yeah, I can't remember who it was. It's on the video. He's got Winston in his grasp. And he's getting ready to take Winston down, and Ali Mar Pitt comes out of nowhere. He just slams that oh, guy. He's a block yeah, it looks him. like he broke him in half, knocked him right off of Winston. But you know that was Ali Mar Pitt's guy to begin with. The guy yeah. got past Ali Mar Pitt. So it was the least he could do was clean that shit up. Right, and he did. He played janitor during that one. Yeah, two thirty-two in the second quarter. Uh, Winston had a open receiver on the right sideline. He was about twenty yards downfield and standing there. There was nobody near him. And there was nobody near him almost from the line of scrimmage. They just kind of forgot about him. And Jameis Winston uh, threw the ball out of bounds, threw it away. He was looking at the left side of the field the whole time. So the ball snapped. And this guy was over on the right-hand side of the field, just standing there, totally alone. Good 20 yards downfield. And uh, Jameis Winston never even saw him. Plays like that are so aggravating. And it happens all the time with Jameis, all the time. And you know, Dirk Cutter and Leftwich and the receivers – have got to get frustrated with that. You know, they design these plays, get guys open, and guys get open, and James Winston never even sees them. Ugh. They need to tell him to go get an eye exam. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even think it's a matter of his eyes not working. He's not even looking over there. 
You know, he does have a habit of just locking onto a receiver and following him. He decides who he's going to throw to before the ball is snapped, I assume. Uh, In the third quarter, you could definitely tell Donovan Smith was hurt. He was limping around out there. Good on him for going back in. When we re-signed him, and I think the media was trying to sell it to the fan base, Mm -hmm. we weren't on board with it, but that's what they said. His durability, that's his upside. And you got to give him credit. I mean, they're not wrong. The play he got hurt on, Ryan Jensen took his guy, drove him right to the ground, and unfortunately drove him right into Donovan Smith's leg. Well, Donovan Smith was blocking his guy. Donovan Smith falls down. His guy goes free. If his guy wouldn't have gone free, that would have been an easily 20-yard run because there was a hole there. That, uh, it was, it was shoot, over 10 yards wide. It's a complete hole. They had opened up that whole left side. <laughs> but unfortunately, Donovan Smith got hurt. His guy was able to get off the block and make the tackle. But uh, Ryan Jensen did a great job just – Drove his guy right to the ground, but unfortunately drove him into Donovan Smith's leg as well. Yeah, and Donovan is on the injury report today, Wednesday. He didn't participate in practice with that same injury. Speaking of injuries, if you're not aware, Mike Evans is most likely out for the rest of the season. It's not official. He's not on IR yet, but he won't be playing for a couple games, at least not this game coming up. Are they saying what the hamstring injury is like if it's that serious to keep him out for the rest of the season does it require surgery or is it just one of those longer healing injuries yeah that's the hamstrings are they're they're just a nagging injury it's like when you hurt your back it's gonna hurt for a long time you're gonna tweak it yeah yeah i think jenna lane had tweeted out that her sources say he's out for the rest of the season oh it wouldn't surprise me and you know it's Honestly, I think it'd probably be better because then we could get a better look at some of our other receivers. You know, Justin Watson, I thought he played great. Yeah, he did. And we were talking all this crap about him during the season. We were me, like, why me is he, in particular, yeah. Why is he even on the team? I know. <laughs> I was never impressed with him last year, but he really stepped up, especially having no notice that he was going to be in the game. And he came in and played really well. That's one thing I do like about this team, and it's something that Arians pushes is, you know, next man up mentality. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast here, but the whole story that Bruce Arians tells. Wally Pip. The Wally Pip story. You know, injury could be your path to success. So Evans might be out, but I don't think it's going to hurt us any. One thing I do like is going off of the subject a little bit of the game film, uh, paying attention to all the fan based forums and Twitter and all that. Nobody is saying that we should lose games for the draft pick now. Everybody is on board of us winning. They really like this team. Everybody loves this team, which is fantastic. We said in the offseason, Bruce Arians had to come in here and have a culture change. And we see it with the players. Well, In this game, Levante David came in during halftime and chewed the locker room out. He went off. Yeah. And I'd love to see him stepping up into that leadership role. I think it's really important for him to do that because he is one of the longer tenured Buccaneers. And it's important. And he's good. And he's good. And it's important that he's on board with the culture change. It's really apparent to me that the team has bought in. And now I feel like the fan base has bought in, Mm -hmm. especially after this win. But before now, the locker room has been used to losing. I mean, before this year. We've been really accustomed to losing, and B.A. had to overcome that. And I think part of it is overcoming it within the fan base, too. 
Well, we've had Greg Shiano came in, tried to change the culture. Lovey Smith came in, tried to change the culture. Uh, Dirk Cutter came in, tried to change the culture. Nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. Arians, I think, has done it. I mean, these guys want to win. And it's good that we have a group of, you know, our secondary is all homegrown. They're really seemed like they've got a lot of energy back there. They support each other. Uh, seems like they hang out with each other. Uh, the they, whole team, I feel like, is like that. They yes. all seem to have a really good bond. It's like with Vita, Vita coming in on the offense. Mm-hmm. You know, him being involved there. And I've seen him. I don't, I think it might have been a mic'd up. Him and Jameis went up to each other before the game and, you know, high-fived. And, yeah, we're going to win this. And So it's good to see that come, kind of camaraderie. They're playing like a team. Yeah. They all are playing like a team. It's something we talked about at the beginning of the year. You know, when... Like when Jameis Winston messes up, like we know he's going to do probably every game, uh, you need the defense to step up, or you need somebody. When when one unit or one player is playing bad, you need somebody else to step up and fill that gap. And that's what I feel like we've been doing. You know, I mean, Jameis Winston threw what three interceptions? Yeah. And we had a fumble. Darius fumble. Darius yeah, we fumble. had four turnovers. We had four turnovers on the offense, and the defense stepped up, and you know. Played extremely well. Kept right. us in the two, game. Two of the inter- I think two of the interceptions, or might have been two of the turnovers, ended in field goals. Right. And then the one turnover was a pick six. Defense right. couldn't do nothing, nothing about that. Do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we need. We need to play as a team. We need to complement each other. And I think it's, it's happening. I think if we can get the rest of the team on the same page, then there's a stronger case for Jameis Winston. Jameis can't do it all on his own. Because Which is when he his tries, problem. Yeah, yeah when he tries, he tries to, do to do it on his own, he makes very big mistakes. And he costs his games. But if the rest of the team shows up and contributes and, you know, kind of lifts Jameis up, then I think... There's a strong case to keep him, and it's all complimentary. The you know the offensive line, you know they've been playing well. They've you know a little bit above average, I think. Yeah, and you know that's been helping Jameis. We've got a little bit of a run game going. That's been helping Jameis. The defensive line has been getting pressure on the quarterbacks. You know, like with Brissett, a lot of the passes he threw were under pressure. God, he threw some ducks. Well, a lot of them was because he was getting hit as he threw. I put some of those in the video too. And that helps our secondary. And our secondary has been covering well, which helps our pass rush. So, you know, everything's complimentary. And I think every they're, they're all working together very well. If anything needs improvement, I would say it'd be our run blocking. I which, think so, too. Which is kind of funny because uh, I'm going to talk about a play here in a minute that I think was probably the play of the game uh, that had to do with run blocking. But uh, overall, our run blocking just has not been as good as it was at the beginning of the year. It's kind of dropped off. Donovan Smith has not been playing with as much energy and oomph as he was, you know, these past few games. We've talked about that. And in this game, he was hurt in the second half, so you know that's kind of excusable. But he didn't have a bad game. I think I think he gave up one bad play, one sack. Yeah, and that was against Justin Houston, which you know, it's not a bad person to give up a sack to. Yeah, he did pretty well considering. Yeah, yeah, Houston played pretty well, but we contained their defensive line for the most part. And right, James only got sacked one time. Hmm. Speaking of uh, the the mic'd up videos, if you haven't had a chance, go go look at the one on uh, Whitehead. Oh, I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen from it? the Colts? Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> I love it. He's great. He he is he's probably one of my favorite players on the team. He just plays with so much intensity. He he doesn't care about his body. He's throwing himself in there. He just wants to win, make plays. But he come in, and I watched the mic'd up before I'd seen the all twenty two. And there's a spot where. Uh, he comes blitzing in, and he hits an offensive lineman. I can't remember who it was. Hold on one second. Let me. I think it was 64, Mark Glowinski. Anyhow, 
Whitehead comes rushing in and he hits the lineman. And the lineman, you know, stopped him, kind of stood him up and everything. But after the play, the lineman walked over to him and said, hey, buddy, I just got to say, that hurt. <laughs> he was like, I was not expecting you to hit me that hard. No, I think that that was Quentin Nelson. Because I think I saw that clip oh, from okay. the Buccaneers. Yeah, he was just really impressed. He was like, wow. <laughs> and, of course, Whitehead goes over and tells everybody on the bench. And he's like, yeah, had that lineman. But they didn't show the hit, or you couldn't really see it on Mike Up. But then I watched it on the All-22, and there was really nothing that Whitehead hasn't done previously. You know, he just comes in really hard. But, uh, yeah, he hit that guy. The guy stopped him, but he could tell it made an impact. <laughs> well, that's what B.A. said about Whitehead during the offseason was that he likes contact. He's really physical. You can tell that with him. You can tell that with him. He kind of reminds me, and I've said this before, of John Lynch in the sense that, you know, he, he's like a missile. He's like a torpedo. If you've got the ball, you need to know where Whitehead's at because he's coming. So anyhow, we had said, I, you know, I was debating on what the plays of the game were after the game. I said it was a toss-up between Devin White's knocking the ball out. The fumble. That was great, too. It was really I'm so glad to see him kind of come out of his shell and really we watched him develop through the season. And it's just a cool, it's cool to see all the growth. He's had a lot of growth. I think next year he's going to be damn near unstoppable. Yeah, I think so. He had another, uh, their their longest play was 37 yards, I think, and it was Devin White's coverage fault. (laughs) I'll put that in the video. It was kind of confusing because a bunch of Buccaneers got a little bunched up there, right? They're yes. all kind of in the same area. Yeah, and I think they confused each other with that. Like, hey, what are you doing over here? Yeah. But uh, Devin White is the inside linebacker. He was in the middle. It was his responsibility, and that's where the guy caught the ball. So I blame it on Devin White. You know, once he gets his coverage down, and it's, it's really not that he's bad in coverage. It's just that he he doesn't get in the right spots. He won't get into the right places. And he hesitates a little bit. Yeah, but he'll get over that. I think next year he's going to be damn near unstoppable. So it was between those that play and the play with uh, JPP batting the ball down on fourth down when they were trying to score. It was 35-38. He batted the ball down. And I said it was a toss-up between those two plays as, to me, plays of the game. Well, I've got another one in there. We were moving down the field, or we, we had just got the ball after JPP had knocked it down. So this is the end. This is the end. We basically just need to run the clock out. Right. We, we needed a first down, so then we could kneel on it. And I want to say it was second down. I can't remember. And we needed we needed a first down. Well, we lined up in a jumbo-jumbo formation. <laughs> we had everybody on the line. They knew we were running. And Ali Marpet pulls from the right side. Or the left side, his left guard position, and he runs all the way over to the right side. And there's, I think it was two tight ends. I think we might have had Josh Wells in there. I mean, it was stacked. We were stacked. So he runs past all those guys, and they did a great job blocking too. We hand it off to Peyton Barber. He runs and he follows Marpet. Well, Marpet turns the corner, and there's this poor cornerback standing there who is the only thing between us and a first down. And he's there, what, to have containment? Yes, it was his, his responsibility was to scrape that back in and you know make sure the running back didn't pop to the outside. Well, Marpet comes around that corner and just blasted that guy. That guy didn't recover until he was 20 yards down the field. <laughs> but then we already had the first down. Yep, and, and it was that block that sprung Barber out, and we got 11 yards, first down, then we were able to kneel on it. So I would have to say that's probably the play of the game. Because if we wouldn't have got that first down, they would have got the ball back. They would have only needed three points, you know, and they would have had a minute and about a, half. a minute, yeah, to go down the field. So Ali Marpet 
Kudos to you. It, to, to me, it's a toss-up between that play and JPP's play, where he batted the ball down. There was a lot of good plays in this game on our, our behalf. Not too many on their part. <laughs> they really they really look like a uh, not a team that, gosh, I, I, I almost want to say that they would look like the worst team we've played this year. Really? And I don't know if it's because we played so well. But yeah, that their their secondary and their scheme was just we just chewed that alive. They are on a lose streak, so I wonder if that's kind of taken its toll. We know what that's like. Yeah, sure enough. We've known that for the past <laughs> decade. All right, so in conclusion, uh, the Colts are not a really good team. Brissett's eh, serviceable quarterback, but he ain't, he ain't gonna take you to another Super Bowl. Uh, their O line is the only good part they've got on their team, and we didn't have a problem with them. Their secondary and their scheme, not good. It's hard to tell which one's worse, the players <laughs> or the scheme. I would have to go with the scheme. I really would. Because, I mean, they just played that cover two almost exclusively all game. And we just sat there and chipped away and just ate them up. Now, we won, but this game should not have been close. I mean, we really dominated in all aspects of this, this game. Uh, it was the turnovers that hurt us. And those turnovers were completely avoidable. The Dari one, eh, you know, you fumble every now and then. It's going to happen. James shouldn't have thrown it to him anyhow. <laughs> he had a much better receiver down the field. Uh, but it shouldn't have been close. It should not have been close at all. I've never seen that many open receivers in a professional football game. <laughs> well, then, you know, that's I can't say that. Uh, against us, that Chicago game, was it last year or two years ago? Yeah, I think I, saw, I might have seen more open receivers in that game. <laughs> you have been watching the Buccaneers secondary for the last five years, right? <laughs> well, you know, in the in, in these zone defenses, you're going to have open receivers. It's just how the secondary responds to it, you know? But in this game, I'm looking at these open receivers, and I'm like, there's no way nobody in the secondary could even get to this guy in time, you know? So that's my conclusion. But no matter how it happens, whose fault it was, we got to win. And we look damn good doing it. And it was fun. That was was an entertaining game. That was a good game. And that's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. Like that post you put on Twitter about Jameis is like giving a civilian oh a flamethrower. <laughs> Shit's going to burn down. But it's going to be entertaining as hell. <laughs> it was great. It's just so appropriate. It perfectly describes him. And love or hate him. You agree with that sentiment? Yes. Oh, my God. Jameis Winston did a pump fake in this game. And not a pump what? fake to his receiver that he's going to throw to, which is normally what he does. <laughs> I'll never understand that one. I don't think he understands the purpose of a pump fake. I don't either. And he didn't really do a pump fake here. He It was like a half pump fake. He, well, he's got that real long wind-up. Yeah. So it was probably a normal pump fake to somebody like Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch the video, I, I do a breakdown kind of of how that pump fake affected the whole secondary and left Justin Watson wide open in the end zone. Did he throw it to him? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it just goes to show how effective pump fakes can be if you use them correctly. Because yeah, he just did a, he did a pump fake to the right side of the field, and the whole secondary turned that away and kind of shifted to the right side of the field. And then he turned around and threw it to the left side of the field. He didn't throw it to Justin Watson, who was a wide open in the end zone. But you're just getting greedy at this point. I know. James Wilson puts up <laughs> over 450 yards, and I'm over here going, James Wilson was missing open receivers. He could have had another touchdown. Good game, though. Good game. That's good. That's fun stuff. That's fun stuff. I tell you what, Detroit Lions, we even put a beat down on those. Yeah, people. I feel bad Badly. for them. Badly. I feel a little bad. I've always liked them, kind of because they've been in the same boat as us for years. I've always liked them when we played them in the black and blue division. We were in their same division, the NFC North. They were always a tough, tough team. 
I'll never forget the Keyshawn Johnson went across the middle one time and got clobbered. He was bleeding out the nose, out oh the mouth. God. He was hurt. And th- th- that's when I got a lot of respect to Keyshawn Johnson because he went off, cleaned up a little bit, took his helmet off, cleaned up, and went right back in that game. But the Detroit Lions have always played us tough. Or a couple years ago when we played them, Noah Spence had a great game. Uh, we ended up winning last minute. But I, I think this time it's just going to be a total, total beatdown. This game, the Colts game, should not have been close. It should have been close at all. The only reason why it was close is because, like uh, Bruce Arians said, we like to spot teams 14, 17 <laughs> points going, you know, in the first quarter, which is basically what we did. We had they, they were, uh, 25. How much did we spot them? At least Two 10 points. Two field goals and a touchdown. So 13 points? Yeah. Yeah, that's about our average. We spot teams 13 points. <laughs> that's why we have to put up so many. You could really tell this week after the game that – the players have noticed a difference. They all talked about how in years past we will, would have lost a game like this. Which is It funny. was like what everybody was saying. Which is funny because I said that two weeks ago. You know, I was like, we would have lost this game. Which one was it? Jacksonville? Can't remember. But Yeah, yeah. Jacksonville. You, Jacksonville. You can definitely notice that this team, this, this is a totally different team mentality-wise that we've seen in 10 years. It's crazy. Greg Allman had an article or tweet, well, the athletic Tampa Bay, rather, but I think that's Greg. The Bucks had lost 29 consecutive games in which they trailed at any time by eight points or more, and that ended with this game. Yeah, that's funny, though, and this is something we've discussed, is how you know people like to bring up all these stats about the Buccaneers, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we've just sucked for the past decade. You can, <laughs> you can say anything, and you're going to go, yeah. Pull any of these stats. Yeah. The Buccaneers have lost so many so consecutive home games. Yeah, we've lost a whole bunch of games. We, that's what we've been doing for the past 10 years, losing games. Yeah, but 29 games, that's like almost two seasons worth. Yeah. That's pretty bad. We currently have the third highest scoring offense behind Baltimore and the 49ers. What shocks me most about that is that the Baltimore and 49ers have high scoring offenses. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who saw that coming? Well, the 49ers did put up like 46 points against the, against the Saints this weekend. That was a high-flying game, which I did not expect. No, I didn't either. That's why I benched Drew Brees on my fantasy football, and he puts up 55 uh, points. That's what you get. I still end up You never winning, sit your studs. Uh, well, I had Tom Brady was my option, so I went with him. And I think he got me 15 points. 15. <laughs> I as think it was 11. Yeah, I still won, so I don't care. Yeah, okay. Fighting for the sacco. That's right. There's three of us. Three of us are tied for last plays. I'm not going down without a fight. You lost the tiebreaker, though. Matt Gay is fourth among NFL kickers in scoring and sixth in made field goals. He's hit 88.9% and is second best in Bucks history behind Connor Barth. Connor Barth is the most, the best? Huh. Yep. He's got Connor Barth had 92.9% success ratio. Uh, Matt Gay has 88.9% right now. I think we found our kicker of the future. Oh, yeah. He's, he's going to so be here too. at least four years. He just fits in with this group. It's just this group. <laughs> it's his shimmy that I like. His little shimmy shimmy. <laughs> and we did make a roster move today. We promoted wide receiver Ishmael Hyman to the active roster. Hyman! <laughs> now, that's because Mike Evans is going to be out for at least next week. Yeah, and we put TJ Logan on IR, so okay, we had so, the roster spot. Okay, so... Uh, Mike Evans, as of right now, we don't know what his status is for the rest of the season, but he 
will not play next week. And then Scotty Miller, he's got his nagging hamstring injury. So I just said he will not play, but it's very doubtful that he'll play. That's the official word. What was it? What did you say? Scotty Miller, too, has a hamstring injury. That sucks. I like him. I want to see him get the ball and just speed it one time. He's excellent. Yeah, this ha- he's had the hamstring, too, all season. Man. I remember when getting knee injuries used to mean you were out and a lot of times your career would be over. And now ACL and MCL injuries aren't that bad. They go in and go fix them up and you come back and play. Remember when Adrian Peterson, I think he had two yeah. done and he's still in the league fighting it out. I wonder when the hamstring injuries are going to be like that. You know, you get a hamstring injury and they, I don't know, they do something, surgery or give you a pill or an injection or something like that and you're back out there. It's coming. A lot of injuries across the league this week. A lot of it is most likely due to teams being out of the playoffs. So, you know, a lot of these veterans, guys who have their uh, employment locked down for next year are, you know, they're like, why play? You know, so they're, we know this happens. Brent Grime has confirmed it for us. We all suspected it, but <laughs> Brent Grimes confirmed it for us on his podcast that players do fake injuries. Yeah, the Falcons lost Calvin Ridley to IR. I'm surprised the old Falcons team hasn't gone out to IR. <laughs> Although they did beat the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) I love it. Like, awful. Jameis Winston is at 4,115 yards on the season with three games to go. That's crazy. That's extremely crazy. He could break 4,500. Most likely will. And he he broke his own record for single-season passing yards. And he held the franchise record. Yeah. So, yeah, he just set another franchise record this year. Oh, you mentioned the Carolina Panthers. Uh, cornerback Dante Jackson ripped the defensive coaching staff for two horrible calls on Matt Ryan's two touchdown passes. So things are imploding there, just as we suspected. <laughs> bad. That's a revolt. It's Love bad, it. bad. So they'll be doing a nice house cleaning. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we'll have the preview for the Detroit Lions on Friday. Uh, apologize for this podcast being so late. It was a nice day yesterday, and I want to sit in the house all day doing film work. So I took my daughter to the park and caused me to have to do the video today, which, you know, can't do the podcast on film review if I haven't reviewed the film yet. So right. here we are. We got it out. But Friday, uh, Molly will have her breakdown of the Detroit Lions coming up. That should be a good one, interesting one. Uh, if you want to hang out and listen to the pod or the Press conference of Bruce Arians' latest press conference. Uh, you can stick around, but that's going to do it up for us. Until next time, go Bucks. To add, then yesterday, um, like I said, I, I love the fact that our team doesn't get down during a game. You know, we throw a pick six, two minutes left in the half. We just go right back out and go back down the field and score a touchdown, and and get it back to a one score game. Um, we turn it. We get a turnover. We turn it back over. We we stop them. We force a, a kick. Get great pressure on the kicker. Should have blocked the kick early in the game. We came free. Went right past the ball. And I think that was still in the kid's mind. Uh, so that the resiliency of the team, the the, the not we're not quitting. Um, the fact that we are now mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Not going to change anything. Um, you know, we're going to come, we're going to work, we're going to try to win four in a row, then five in a row, then six in a row. Coach, is that kind of the difference in earlier in the year versus this year where when you do have the turnovers, your defense will limit those to three points, 
instead of seven or maybe zero points or get the ball back for you guys. Is that the difference in this week? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of us playing together as in all three phases. You know, just and special teams has been huge for us. But, uh, you know, to go out and, and get it back, stop them, yeah, that, that's what winning defenses do. Is there a reason you think for some of the early interceptions for Jameis? I want to say he's had three or four now on the opening drive. That you, uh, you know, again, it's some of it's decision, some of it's throw, some of it's the receiver. Um, you know, looking back at this one, Mike was pressed. He was a little short on his route. Darius Leonard's a very tall linebacker. And just you have to be more aware of trying to throw it over a guy like that and not throw it too high to the corner. So, um, but you know he trusts Mike and I trust Mike. So I don't I don't blame that part of it. But that's what it is. On both, on both those picks by Leonard, was he seeing Leonard? Because sometimes these quarterbacks have. Well, the second the second one was the second one was totally different. Um, the first one was his zone coverage. The, the second one was a, it was an all out blitz, and and we do, we don't pick up the guy coming up the middle. Jameis would think he's hot then to throw the ball to the slant. Darius pulled out and got right underneath it. So we block we block it properly. He's going to throw it to Cam right down the middle, wide open for a touchdown. Speaking of Mike, uh, any uh, better sense of where he's going to be these last three weeks, if at all? No, uh, it's they're going to let it bleed out and see where he was a quick healer when he had it in the spring. You know, so um, I, I would be very doubtful for this week. Is there an official diagnosis yet for him after the MRI? It's just a pulled hamstring. The third turnover, when they got the ball to 25, right away the defense, I think, checked their drop back for a five-yard loss. So you talk about limiting it to a field goal, but they were actually you know, able to do better than that. How important was that just to keep it a one-score game? Oh, it was, it, was. It, was, it, was, it was huge, you know. Um, and um, like I said, we've been playing sudden change defense really well for the last month, other than the first one when – we're playing man-to-man, and we don't cover our man. You know, we think the quarterback's sacked, and we look back in the backfield, and there goes our guy. And, uh, you know, that that's the inexcusable part uh, of some of the points that they got. So was the hamstring, is there any tear in there, or is it just a pull? I think it's just a pull. Ideally, like, probably like to have the game go more like Jacksonville than it did yesterday when you overcame three double-digit deficits, and you also scored the last 17 points of the game. You mentioned the resiliency, but as a coach, does it give it the attitude that you can overcome any leads? I'd, I'd actually like this this win better for that reason. It shows the growth of, of the football team. Uh, it's easy to be front runners and win when you're when everything's going your way. But <laughs> hardly anything was going our way in this one. But we hung in there and found a way to win. I like that at this stage of where we're at uh, in the season. I like that win a whole lot more. A lot of people, a lot of players, and, and maybe this was talked about at halftime, so I said that you know, we don't we don't win this game in the past. Like this is this is one we might have lost. So, as a coach, you did this in Arizona. Um, you know, you start out slow. Like when you start to see how do you, how do you start to see? Obviously, we talked about this. Winning is the culture, right? Mm-hmm. You got to win. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it's changing. Right. But but there are some mileposts along the way, right? Is, oh yeah. Is, is this definitely one of them? Oh, I think this will be a huge one for us. You know, um, you know when when we finished that season beating Seattle. Who was division champs? It 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 led into a hell of an off season, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, for us to possibly win four in a row, then five in a row against a really good Houston team, uh, and then you know, and this is going to be a struggle in Detroit this week with the number of injuries we got. But yeah, I mean, that's that's building blocks. The culture is set. 
you know, because the other guys aren't accepting it anymore. They don't accept losing anymore. And that's kind of what this guy stood up in the locker room at halftime. I didn't have to say much. We ain't accepting it anymore. All right. And that's, you know, it's getting across. About that. Um, is there any clarity on Jameis's injury with the No, he's going to have a second opinion this afternoon. Is there any idea? I mean, you talked about yesterday he leaves the second quarter, but he can't start the third quarter. Do we know any idea when the injury might have occurred? Have no clue. Have no clue. Did he wall at halftime? No, no. He was shaking everybody's hand and shook mine. And it was like, let's go out of the locker room. Next, I know he's in good next ray. No. Any other injuries from yesterday's game that are potentially spilling over? Donovan Smith uh, hit a. I doubt he practices as much this week, but hopefully we can get him back out there Friday and uh, with a knee and an ankle. But uh, hopefully we can get Alex Kappa back. Um, but other than those two, I can't think. You know, Jameis and Mike are the two big ones. What is the second opinion? I mean, like, obviously you, you get an initial X-ray and then you'll do more testing, but did you wake up? I mean, sometimes the adrenaline wears off and it's like, dude, I can't grip a ball at all today. It's swollen in the store, but, yeah, we got to get a hand specialist involved. To see long-term future. Right. Coach, you mentioned injuries, and, and last month it was Jamel Dean in Seattle. Yesterday was Justin Watson here. When those guys put in their work in preparation during the week, and the position coaches do that work for them, what's it mean for you to be able to have those guys step up the way they did? Oh, you feel great for them. You know, one man's injury is another guy's opportunity, and uh, some fail at it because they can't handle the moment. I mean, Justin's never caught punts in his in a game in his life, and uh, he went out and did an unbelievable job on a ball that was bouncing, got 10 yards, and and made a huge third down catch and touchdown catch. And uh, yeah, you you those are the guys you're really really happy for after games like that. Bruce, you lost T.J. Logan on Friday last week. Do you know what you'll do with that open roster spot? Uh, no, we'll have to see what uh, what what we got the rest of this week. Uh, to, to see where we go, you know, I'm okay. I've been, I've I've done three running backs for a lot, a lot of times, but uh, and we and you know Cedric's on the on the practice squad, and we'll, we'll see where we go. Yeah, anticipation, not knowing what's going on, would you have to contemplate, you know, getting a third quarterback? Uh, or I know you have one out here, obviously. On the yeah. Practice squad, but. Yeah, we'd, it'd be Chad probably if we had to. Just from the guy on the practice squad for the last month and change. What's that? How's Chad been as a guy? In the oh, he's been solid. You know, he's he's learning. You know, uh, he, he's done his job. Coach, you mentioned last week the, the fact that you were going to wait to the end of the season and the end of December to decide on Jameis Winston moving forward for next season. Are you missing something? Is there something that you'd like to see between now and the end of the season to be able to make that decision? No, I just I evaluate all our players at the end of the season. I don't evaluate any of them now, you know. Uh, so we'll we'll see everybody's value where they're at uh, when the season's over. Before the game or after the fact, did you see the interaction between Pinion and, and Quentin Nelson then before the game? No. Um, Paraman, you said yesterday, you know, even despite maybe not having the, the production that he wanted in the season that. Your faith in him never, mm-hmm. never waned. What, what is it about that that you know allowed that for you? Was it well, practice? Had, what you saw in practice? Yeah, he had he had such a great spring. He had a great two, you know camp. Uh, lit it up against the Dolphins when we, when they were. It's just going to be opportunities, you know. Um, I like Frank. Tom Moore said a long time we had Swan Stallworth, Frank Lewis, I think it was. One of you on Monday is going to have your lip poked out because you ain't getting the ball enough. That's just life of being three, four, and five receiver. One and two getting theirs. 
Now, who gets the other ones? Somebody probably have their lip poked out, but uh, he's never done that. He just comes to work ready for his chance, you know, and uh, the last two weeks it's, it's been there for him. Going back to Jameis, what's it like as a coach? To, I mean, fans ride the roller coaster a little bit. You know, <laughs> in that game yesterday was maybe a little more wild than some. Are you doing the same thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you go with, with the highs, you goes with the lows, and, you know, I did, there was a stretch when it's like, and he, now he's afraid to throw it now. Slap him in the face and yeah. throw the damn thing. Yeah. You know, don't hold it. How does it impact your stress level when you have a player that is so up and down like that? You know, I've been at it so long. It's, uh, there, there's been millions of guys that play like that, and uh, it's just, it adds to the fun. And how do you kind of keep your emotions steady as you're watching something like that? No, I don't even try. <laughs> That's when you have heart attacks. <laughs> Let that <shit> out. <laughs> I mean, you've been around a lot of players, and, and, and Ben got his share of grief, right? Oh, God, yeah. A lot of guys did, right? Mm-hmm. But ha- have you been around a quarterback where everybody seems to have an opinion and they're all different? Uh, no, no. Um, you know, it, and like I said, I'll judge from these games from this year from my work with him not what it matters as, not not what's happened in the past and uh you know ben and peyton and you know i had peyton the first three years it was it was a roller coaster you know 28 interceptions whatever it was and uh, so it, it's just not an easy position to play but when you see when you see an interception for a touchdown you come right off on the sideline you can right back down for a touchdown there's something there Coach Carson had 22, I believe, his first year with you, including four in that game against Seattle. You guys still won that game. You still won the game, yeah. I mean, um, is, is, is it part of those numbers sometimes higher just because of what you guys are asking these quarterbacks to do? Is that part of it as well? The, the, the first year, the first year, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy – our offense is not an easy offense. But once you get it, it's it's very very explosive, and uh, you see the explosiveness, and uh, and you still see the learning curve. You know, the cover zero blitz that gets picked for six, uh, the learning curve of the back blocking the right guy, and not panicking and taking the different one, uh, and knowing that you had an easy touchdown pass when you threw a touchdown to the other team because of that. So just the quarterback. It's all of them learning the whole offense. When you have a quarterback that's like that, is it vital that you're going to have to have a defense that's going to be able to snatch the ball away like that? Like you I don't think so. That? I don't think so. I mean, the 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 that defense was a much vet, more veteran defense in Arizona, uh, but the interception stopped. The the next year they went way down, and uh, I would anticipate the same with the quarterbacks here. All right, not practicing. Tamar Dotson, Mike Evans, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Donovan Smith. Um, good start to the week. Uh, a little warm today, but uh, it was a uh, good, solid practice. Jameis has a, a cast on his hand and everything, and he wasn't throwing or holding the ball. Uh, when do you anticipate he will be able to do that? We'll see as the week goes along. Do you have any concern about putting him in a game this week if, if he doesn't take any reps in practice throwing? Oh, definitely. Definitely. He'll throw before the, before we get there. So as of right now, you expect Jameis to play on Sunday? That's the plan. We'll see how it goes. 
first, Mike Evans, are you guys any closer to knowing whether or not he can come back and play this season? Uh, no. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good hamstring strain, but he's he healed fast in the in the spring. So we'll just see how it goes each each day, each and every day. Right now, the show plans to put him on IR. No. Um, so are you guys holding out hope that, that there's a possibility he could? Yeah, I mean, with, all, with these things, you never know. Each guy's so different. Bruce James is, uh, he's missed you know, practice before and played, played with an AC shoulder and played well, actually. Um, does that help a guy that's, that's you know, had to go through the mental reps and still able to? Yeah, I, I think sometimes, sometimes it's good to give your arm a rest. You know, uh, but not your brain. So he's he's out there taking a drop on every play, telling me what the coverage was, where the ball should have gone. So he got a good mental practice, and it might help him physically. I'm guessing Ryan Griffin probably got the majority of the reps. How did he handle himself today? He's fine. He's fine. Staying with the uh, injury theme, as far as Donovan Smith's concerned, is it the ankle, knee, is it both? Which one concerns him most? All, all the above. <laughs> he... Uh, he ran in the pool, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we can see him sometimes before Friday. Were they separate injuries, or did this all happen at once? They're separate injuries. How did Like he's never missed a beat. Like, like he's been a starter all year. That's just him. You know, he's a very bright guy. He's extremely accurate. Has a very fast tempo practice. We really didn't miss anything. It's, a, it's an anomaly that a guy turns 30, uh, <laughs> played six and a half plus years, never took a snap, forget kneel downs, none of that. I mean, you had to feel, not that you ever want to lose your starting quarterback, but if he's got to lose him temporarily, do you feel good for Griff to get out there and get oh, that after? All the, yeah, all the confidence in the world, and now it's, that's, that's over with now. You know, Put the picture on the wall, you're out there, and uh, you got to play, so you got your first completion. And uh, But, uh, yeah, that... Uh, I think we all have a ton of confidence in him. It was just one series, but what did you see from him in that? It's the same thing I see every day. He's he's poised, he's accurate, knows what he's doing with the ball, and uh, he gets it out of his hand quick. I know you said last week that you you, were, you thought practice wasn't that great and, and you were real uh, mm-hmm. anxious to get back out there practicing. Did you see more of, of what you'd hope you'd get? Today? Much, much, much better, yeah, what, what I'm used to seeing out there. Detroit's uh, second to last as far as interceptions concerned, causing interceptions. They're also the bottom five when it comes to getting sacks. What are we not seeing that they do well statistically, well, defensively, that's not showing up as that? Yeah, I mean, it, that's it's sometimes statistics lie. You know, Darius Slay, they've dropped a couple. Darius Slay, he's a ball hawk, and he's going to be he's going to be jumping routes like he always has. And uh, you know, they've got a they've got a heck of a pass rush. Um, Trey Flowers is one of the best there is. So, I mean, it, they're a two-gap team, so it's a little bit different until they get to nickel and start blitzing. I know Mike is often getting double-teamed. Is Chris at the point now, uh, even though he's a first-year full-time starter, where he can command a lot of those double-teams and be okay? Yeah, he's been getting double-teamed quite a bit himself on third down, and uh, so we're kind of used to seeing that. we got a chance to finish 5-3 and three on the road, Bruce, and uh, – when you do that, you know, normally you're kind of in the playoffs. Normally you're in the playoffs, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the anomaly, I think, of this season, you know, the uh, the, the early losses, the close losses at home, uh, and then uh, then going out and, and winning on the road, which is really hard, especially some of the places we won. It kind of shows you something about, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot to build on.
a lot to build. You hope to, you know, you'd hope to go undefeated at home and split on the road, and you're 12 and four, and you're, you're in great shape. But uh, to have a chance to be five and three, that's saying a lot about our guys. There's some teams that that finish with losing records, or maybe they hover around 500, but then the next year they they just maybe either remain stagnant or they take a few steps backwards. But then there's other teams like when you coached out in Arizona, where it's a you know a springboard for them the next year, mm-hmm. kind of catapults them into the next season. What's the difference between those two types of teams? I think it's a belief in your locker room of a, of a, a shift in culture. You know, uh, if it's the same culture. And nothing's changed. A lot of things don't change. I think um, just watching our guys, how hard they practice today uh, in December, um, you know, I could, really can't ask for much more as a coach. Evans hasn't missed a game because of injury since the first week of 2015. You know, there's some guys that you know, you just expect them to be on the field every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a you kind of had that with Fitzgerald in, in mm-hmm. Arizona. I know there's that next man mentality, but is there? an extra loss of just like not having a guy who everyone just kind of always expects to be out there making plays, being a leader. Like uh, yeah, nobody's going to be Mike, but just be yourself. Whoever's playing the position, be yourself, do your job, and uh, and catch the damn ball when it's thrown to you. We, we talked about, you know, this rookie class, actually the last two. You weren't here when, when they drafted Carlton, those guys, but you've surely been in the league a long time. Is there a common thread about these guys that you've noticed that, is, that have enabled them that, that you know the scouting whether scouting yourself whatever the you know like, looks like we got this pretty good you know what I mean like we mm-hmm. got this right yeah I, I can only speak really about this class yeah. you know but there are common threads with those guys they love to play you know they're, they're they love to play they're smart players a lot of more captains you, you always look for that trait you know uh, when you're evaluating guys not just the ability Bruce, you, you got a good thing going down near the goal line in that red zone. Uh, you're getting seven. You're not seeing Matt Gay on the field that often. Uh, what's what's working well now? Well, that was a major emphasis. You know, when I looked at the team last year, gained a ton of yards, not a lot of points because of red zone inefficient. So, so we spent a lot of time on in the red zone, um, a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of extra time uh, because it is so valuable. Uh, when you're scoring touchdowns and they're kicking field goals, that's usually the deciding factor in a game. Um, Jameis has played well. We've run the ball much better down there than we did last year. In terms of going without Mike on Sunday, it seems like the balance in the passing game, I think the first half of the year is kind of the, the Chris and Mike show a lot of weeks. Do you, do you feel that much better because you guys have been able to distribute the ball so much better the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think when people try to take them away, you know, the other guys need to step up, and they did. You know, and Jameis did a good job of finding those matchups. You know, OJ a few times in Jacksonville and then last week. Some of those plays are by design, you know, because you know what's happening outside. So you set some stuff up inside. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, just, Justin jumped in there and did his job. You know, got a game ball for doing his job. There's been obviously some early turnovers, first throws, first series, that kind of thing. You talk about Drafon, obviously saw something on tape and decided to jump. But they know... Jameis wants to come out, you want to come out and attack. Do you see these guys sort of like backing off or, or doing so? I mean, are they are they scheming you in this way that's contributing to some of those turnovers just because? Yeah, yes or no. Trufant did. He, he studied the film on the backside of that formation. What What's usually going to happen is an inside breaking route or Mike's going deep, you know. Um, the rest of the things, I think, are just forcing the ball a little bit. Yeah. Be the route runner and the passer weren't on the same page. 
only one guy's thrown more balls than, than James. It was, it's Brady, and a little surprise. <coughs> Uh, are you okay with that, or would you rather have him throw less balls? No, I'd, I'd much rather run the ball better and more often, you know. Um, but when you get yourself down 14, you know, you, you're just going the number of runs are going to go down. Now, they were successful, which was good in those drives, you know. But the number of runs are actually going to go down every time. Talked about the 5-3 and three record on the road, but they had to endure a lot of travel. Needless to say, 20,000 miles. This is your last road trip you've had the benefit of some shorter ones lately by all all told how do you think these guys were able to hold up throughout yeah I, again i'm, I'm going to credit the, the the sports science team for really having our we knock on wood we've haven't had many injuries you know a couple hamstrings here or there just from fatigue things but and i think some of that was travel and anthony nelson and a couple of those guys that scotty but um I, they they bought in we we talked about it you know we we addressed it this is where we're going. This is when the game's scheduled. Have your ass ready to play. And uh, and here's some things that can help you, sleep-wise, hydration-wise, and everything else. Scotty, he and Anthony were back at practice first time today. Is it reasonable to think they could go on Sunday? Yeah, Scotty looked okay. Anthony's still questionable.